Welcome to the world of Pokemakers. I'm Professor Fierce. And I'm Professor Fierce. But if that's too confusing, you can call us... JD. And Alex. For some people, Pokemon are pets. Others use them for battles. We're here to create all new Pokemon. And a world for them to inhabit. Last time was a definitely normal episode of Pokemakers. <laughs> but before Digimakers, we created our legendary mascot Pokemon. And a little bit of the story details behind those. So what are we talking about this episode? Today we're going to start in greater detail planning out the three branches of the story in Pokemon Marble and Bronze. And that's going to take place over the next three episodes. One for each branch. One for each branch. Starting out with the history branch. And for this, we're going to be going to Trainer's Choice. Pokemon gyms. Uh-huh. Pick a random Pokemon gym from Kanto. Brock. Brock in Pewter City, the Pewter gym. Yeah. Yeah. Now name a random gym from Paldea. The one... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it would be this much of a challenge. The one where the town was all about olives and then the gym had a bunch of teddy bears and baked goods and no olives. Katie's gym in Cortondo. That's the one. What's the difference between those gyms? Puzzles. I guess. I mean, they're different types. Yeah. That's it. You just battle trainers and there's a type theme and that's it. Gyms have not changed is my point oh, here. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, there's a much more succinct way of saying that and it's, um, you know, gyms have not changed since the beginning of Pokemon. Well, here's the thing. Now we've given an example. <laughs> we've proven our point. You've made me look like a fool. Well, I didn't do that. <laughs> One Pokemon game tried something different. Alola? The Alola game. Sun, Moon, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Mm -hmm. With the trial captains and the trial system. That yeah. was something very different. Yes. It was still just gyms, though. Well... It was kind of just gyms, though. What? Which part are you saying was gyms? You go to a place and you fight a person. You don't fight a person most of the time. No? You fight the totem Pokemon. Ah, uh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. It was different. It was yeah. a bold, different thing. The Kahunas were more similar to gym leaders. That's what But I they don't have of. the gyms. It was different overall. It was they different. Tried Something very different, and I applaud the games for doing that. Mm -hmm. Galar went straight back to gyms. Yes, really heavy on gyms. Really heavy on gyms. That game experienced by doing something different with the Pokemon League instead. Gyms aren't necessarily a bad thing, but the format can be a bit stale. That's why Sun and Moon changed things. That's yeah. why little things have been changed in Pokemon games, and that's why we're having three paths for people who are bored of gyms. But even so, we can still make gyms a little different. Yeah. We're theming them around history in that mm -hmm. we're making them historic locations within Red and linking them to history and talking about historical figures who engaged in Pokemon battling. Yeah. One thing that Pokemon fans have been clamoring for a change is type-themed gyms. Mm. Type-themed gyms, especially for a new player, are very good at learning about Pokemon and learning how it works and type yeah. matchups and everything. Everyone knows that water beats fire. Yeah. Everyone knows that brains are weak to insects. <laughs> Does everyone know that? Well, they do now after nine generations of Pokemon reaffirming that in everyone's minds. Let's do something different. I think our gyms aren't going to be type-themed gyms. Okay. In Rencha. I think we're going to do gyms that are more thematic themed. Okay, so you're thinking more like Rayhan's gym. Rayhan famously was the dragon-type trainer in Galar, and most of his team wasn't dragon-type. No, well, half and half, because he had four Pokemon. Mm. So he's not so much a dragon-type trainer as he was a weather-themed gym. Mm-hmm. As all of his Pokemon produced a weather effect in battle. The three gym trainers before Rayhan each used a different weather. One of them used sun, one of them mm. used hail, and one used rain, and he's all about sand 
Sandstorm. Oh, is it all, just specifically Sandstorm? All of his Pokemon do Sandstorm. And all of his Pokemon are immune to Sandstorm because Sandstorm hits everything except rock, ground, and steel. And okay. all of his Pokemon are one of those three types. Yeah. So yeah, it really was just playing around with weather. But they could have gone so much further by just having him be a weather gym or even just a Sandstorm yeah. gym. This is the sand. Du- 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 this is the Sandstorm gym. I'm sorry. <laughs> Was that supposed to be Derudis? Maybe. Yeah, like this is supposed to be a sandstorm gym or a sand-themed gym. And it would have been more interesting just to say that. Absolutely. Instead of pretending it's dragon, just because. Or Lance's, whose team was, well, they kind of look like dragons and they go, rawr. That was actually more like what I was thinking originally when I say a thematic team. I was thinking more like flavorful or lore-based. So I'm thinking you could do something like a cat gym team. Oh, I love that. But there's also the option to go more like Raihan, which is more of a mechanical identity mm. for a team, where you're based around a certain mechanic in Pokemon that's not necessarily type-themed. They don't necessarily have to be one or the other. Do a mix? Maybe. Or we could do one here and one elsewhere. Thinking about other type-themes, like a trick room team is always a cool thing. Like, it's a oh, popular yeah. gimmick for, like, a lot of competitive teams that are mm. based around that entirely. Terrain abilities. Mm. Are we doing, like, mechanical themes exclusively? Because an object Pokemon themed gym is such a fun concept. It's like an old antique store or something. Yeah. My thoughts are, we can theme the branches around these themes. Okay. Like, for instance, having something that is more flavorfully thematic, like object Pokemon or cat Pokemon or things that aren't represented in the game's mechanics but just mm-hmm. essentially an aesthetic yeah. aspect of the Pokemon. Well, that feels like it would be a more artistic way okay. of making a Pokemon team. So that could be something we explore in the art branch, maybe. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. The way we tied history in with this historical sporting aspect, mm-hmm. that feels like it would be more the mechanical identity, maybe. Sure. The people in this path are more likely to be the ones who would be the competitive Pokemon players, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe say, like, we have something going on in maybe the Pokedex path, which is the scientific path. Mm-hmm. Thinks about how you classify Pokemon scientifically by types. Okay. Pokemon are scientifically classified by their types, right? In a yeah, lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's where we can put any type-themed Yeah, and I don't know stuff. what that would look like yet. Yeah. But we could have type-themed specific trainers for that. And then, like, an aesthetic theme for the art mm-hmm. one. I like that. Ooh, and then, jumping ahead quite a bit, and <laughs> maybe this gets cut, frankly, but maybe whatever our quote-unquote Elite Four looks like, one of each. One of each. One of each. Maybe it's not an Elite Four. Maybe it's an Elite Three. It's an Elite Three. Or something different. It's an Elite Three and, like... Well, a champion yeah. who incorporates all of these aspects yeah. somehow. Yeah. We were thinking about doing this branching story path. We hadn't thought about it too much. And we thought about doing this museum as well. So I'm thinking about how to link that. And thinking about how in Paldea especially, most of the random trainers you run into out and about are other students, and they range in age and ability and all sorts of things. Yeah. So I'm thinking about tying our trainers into that in some way, and thinking about how we can have different trainer classes representing those different sciences, like Mm. a scientific-leaning trainer, artistic-leaning trainers, and I had mathematical before we picked out history as being the focus there. Yeah. Thinking scientific-leaning trainers could have been the mechanical themes, artistic trainers being thematic themes, and the math-themed trainers I was saying could have been Pokemon that have high stats, like okay. just particularly fast or defensive or offensive Pokemon. Yeah. So this plays into similar space, and I think trainer classes can still, again, focus on teams in the same way as these mm-hmm. the leaders of these teams would, and it's just less of a thing yeah, it's for random of, trainers. Yeah, like random trainers that have one or two Pokemon, and it's yeah. like, I have two cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I happen or... to have two 
Pokemon with Levitate. So today we're specifically thinking about our history path mm-hmm. with our traditional gyms, which we now know are going to have mechanical focuses. And we'll decide on exactly what those mechanical focuses are as we build each gym. Mm-hmm. But I want to put a little bit more of a spin on it. This okay. is a concept and a gimmick idea that's been spinning around my brain for a while. Of another way to shake up battles. So then, okay. Because I don't think, we don't want all of our battles just be regular battles. It can't be that the three parts are just different styles of team composition, but you're still just doing battles. Yeah. That's lame. Yeah. It's had a few different names in my head, but I think maybe just the simplest would be to call it stipulation battles. Okay. These mechanical battles, the battles for the gyms themselves, as you would begin battling the gym leader or beforehand, they also tell you, you don't just have to beat them. You have to beat them and also fulfill this stipulation, this other criteria. Okay. Which could be win the battle in a certain number of turns. It could be battle in this particular kind of way. Some other little thing that shakes up the battle okay. and makes you really think about how you have to battle. You would get told that ahead of time, obviously. You can't yeah, be sprung yeah, that. Yeah. Like the gym guide at the beginning of each gym could let you know, yeah. this is the stipulation at this gym. You have yeah. to battle like this. What do you think? Challenge battles is a better name. Ooh, challenge battles? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I love that, though. Yeah. I think that's really cool because that, that makes it more of a puzzle. Like, the battle a, themselves yeah, are a puzzle as well as like a, a traditional gym puzzle, it, which we can still have. And it for me, I'm someone who finds Pokemon battling very repetitive mm-hmm. and I get bored just doing battles over and over again. Yeah. So like that is a great way to shake it up. Like, yeah. oh, I'm doing something different mm-hmm. now. I have to focus and pay attention to a, a different aspect yeah. of this. Here's another one. Your Pokemon can only use special attacking damage moves during this mm. fight. You can't use any physical attacking moves. So you can't use any punches, only beams. That kind yeah. of something would like it, that. Would it stop you from being able to do those? Or if you accidentally use the wrong move, the battle's over and you're like, nope, you lose, try again. I don't know. Okay. Maybe our game has difficulty settings you can set at the start. Uh, yeah. And in a lower difficulty, it will warn you and say, you can't do that. In a higher difficulty, it will just penalize you and disqualify you if you do that in a battle. And you have to start over. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you can talk about why each gym uses the stipulation or challenge that they do. Tie it into the location that it's based on and the history and the... Exactly. You're like, learning the yeah. history. There is a history behind why the gyms are this way and why each gym does what it does. Yeah. Which is going to be very fun to like make those. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I think so. like There's just like an extra little thing to throw in. When we talk about each gym, we'll get to talk about what its mechanical theme will be as well as any gym puzzle and any flavorful theme. Yeah. And what the challenge or stipulation for its battle will be. And then potentially the historical site that it's placed at and what yeah. the invented history. Yeah. Or probably relating to real history that we'll bring in. I think that's probably it for what we need to say about the gym path, mm. the history path yeah. in Pokemon Marble and Bronze. So now that we know what this particular path is going to look like, let's talk about the professor who is in charge of this wing of the museum. In the Fame Checker. So we mentioned back at the beginning that each path will have its own professor and each professor will ideally be in charge of one aspect. And so this is the professor that's going to be in charge of giving you your first Pokemon, mm. we've decided. Yeah. The Pokedex professor will obviously give you the Pokedex and we haven't yet decided what the third <laughs> professor will do. But the important point is this professor will be the one that gives you your starter Pokemon. This professor is the one who's most interested in battles yeah. and the history of battling in Rentia yeah, in particular. Yeah. As well as just Rentia history in general. Mm-hmm. But also the history 
history of battling. Yeah. This is the battle-oriented professor. This is Nomona. <laughs> <laughs> this is who Nomona could grow up to be. So I think this character is someone who's like that, I think. Yeah. Someone like Ash, like Nomona, someone who has been obsessed with battles. Very energetic, a go-getter. Like, yeah. they're really passionate. Within the history of Pokemon Professor so far, most similar to Kakui. Yeah. Whose focus as a professor was on Pokemon moves. Yeah, yeah. And would have his own Pokemon use moves on him so he could describe their effect. I just realized that that's probably based on that one scientist who get every insect and things to bite him so he yeah, can chart them. Yeah, that guy that like tests the pain yeah. scale. Yeah. yeah. That's how we know the power level of poke moves because Kukui has been hit by rock slide and can tell you that it does more damage than rock throw. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that felt like a 50 power move. Oh, okay, is that quite high? Pfft, no, that's nothing. <laughs> Whew, no. Please take me to the hospital, though. <laughs> Our character needs to be someone like that. Yeah, yeah, Clearly. yeah, like very energetic. That's the word that keeps coming to mind. It's mm -hmm. just they have a lot of energy and they're like really, really passionate about their subject and their field and they're excited. Yeah. What if this is an older professor though? Oh. Older but very energetic. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Takui is like a younger he's professor. He's very young. And before him, the most energetic would have been like Professor Birch, mm. who it does go out in the field, but he got chased around by a Poochiena. Yeah, like he's not really a like. A Chased around by a tiny puppy, orders his dog to throw boulders at him. There's a difference between Birch and Kukui. Yeah, yeah. But he was probably the closest, and he was also one of the younger ones. Mm. Like, think about the older professors. Who's the most energetic? Is it Oak? It's probably Oak. Yeah. Rowan isn't energetic. Magnolia? No. Magnolia probably dies before the <laughs> DLC, frankly. <laughs> Gender. Does the professor have one? <laughs> if so, what? <laughs> My gut says male, mm. and I don't know if that's just professors tend to be, but I think it's also like a really fun juxtaposition from this line of older men yeah. who have been the traditional professors, yeah. and how they all, kukui aside, are pretty unenergetic. Yeah. <laughs> to have a kind of sprightly old man who's excited. I mean, that's a fun anime trope in and of itself, really, isn't it? Sprightly like, old man. Yeah. You see them in the anime, by the time you've blinked, they're halfway down the street and a puff yeah, of smoke is yeah. behind them. Yeah, and you're like, like, wow. I find that very charming. I was thinking about, you know, in Avatar The Last Airbender? Boomy. King Boomy. King, yeah, Boomy! King Boomy. <laughs> he was very old, but also, oh, he ripped? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Love that. <laughs> now that our professor needs to be ripped, I don't think that's a requirement. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I do think that taking that same archetype of... Someone who looks like they'd hang out with Oak and Rowan. Exactly, but then it turns out that he's like, he's running circles around you. Yeah. I think that that's a really fun twist on it. Who puts Kukui to shame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, who's too intense for Kukui? <laughs> Who taught Kukui? Oh, I love that! This is Kukui's mentor. We can have Kukui show up in a cameo in the post-game or something and be like, Oh, hey, I'm from the Alola region. Yeah, this guy taught me everything I knew. We can just do that. Of course we can. We, we can, can do anything. We can do whatever we want. We didn't have enough old Pokemon character cameos previously. We need more. I'm just imagining the pose, arms out to the sides, legs very... <laughs> You know? Like bow-legged and bent. And yeah. And kind of like, ah! Like <laughs> fight pose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mustard. This is a lot like Mustard. Oh. You haven't played the Sword and Shield DLC. No, I haven't. So not. Mustard is in charge of the dojo in the first part of the DLC on the okay. Isle of Armor. And presents as an old man, but then he's a kung fu master and he rips off his clothes. Sure, and he's yeah. like your final opponent here. Yeah. I'm glad that we're picturing that same pose. Though. Yes. Which is like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> I want them to have some kind of injury. Like, okay. Every time they show up, like in a new scene or segment they just have a different injury
surgery. At one point, they should have a cast on their arm and a broken arm. Yeah. Another time, they've got a bandage wrapped around their head. Uh-huh. And so on. Yeah. What does this old professor look like? Mustard kind of does the whole gimmick of presenting himself as being kind of nothing and then revealing himself. And then, yeah. I think our professor actually acts like a big shot the whole way through. And while they're great with Pokemon, is not physically buff or anything like that. <laughs> no, yeah. And so acts way bigger than he is. But like, not in a mean or aggressive or an unkind way, but just yeah. as like, oh, I'm gonna climb a mountain. No, Grandpa, you, you <laughs> can't. You can barely walk up the stairs. I'm climbing a mountain right now. <laughs> me as an old person. <laughs> like, you can't stop me. Like, you have arthritis. I don't care. Whew. Yeah, it's getting pretty thin up here, huh? Grandpa, you stood up. <laughs> he's just refusing to admit that he's old and is mm. reaching his limits. Hair. Yes. What's the hair situation here? Does he have any? Does he have any? Does he have any on top? <laughs> what about on the bottom of his head? I love a beard. Beard? We talking like a wizardy beard? We talking just a bushy beard? It actually does sort of say a lot about your character. How much effort do they put into their appearance? Dwarven beard. Braided. I like that. Braided beard. I like that. Bald on top braided beard. Yeah. That's distinct. That's different. That is. That's, that's a different look. That's very fun. Yeah. And like, that does- He does care about his appearance in unexpected ways. Yeah. It's low maintenance once he's gotten it into the brain. Yeah. You don't have to deal with it or anything. Yeah. He actually mentions at one point like, oh, that was done six years ago. I just haven't cared to undo it. Yeah. I've yeah, got more yeah. important things to do, like climbing that mountain. Yeah. And battling every Pokemon. Yeah. Wait, Holden, actually, I've got a different idea. Okay. A mohawk. Why? Like a Roman soldier's helmet with the, the, oh, the brush thing. Oh, that's so good. Probably actually just bright red as well. Yeah. <laughs> And give him a bit of a Roman soldier look to play into the history angle. You can angle. definitely give him that silhouette for sure with like the, <laughs> the long lab coat. I was going to bring this up once we had figured him out a little bit more. Which of the butterflies? Right, because of course, because we've said Farfuoco, Farfulmine, and Farfreda are used by each of the three path professors mm -hmm. as their ace Pokemon. And I don't think we had decided... We had not. We wanted to match which, them up. Yeah, yeah, which type to which professor. It gives me fire vibes, but Well, like, yeah, because he's fired up. Yeah. And yeah, gives you your starter Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And... And as a professor, they need a tree name. Uh-huh. Has there been a character named Cedar? I don't think there has. There's been Cedric Juniper, but... Oh. Hey, you know how we said this is just, like, what Ash might be when he's an old man, or Ash would be this battle professor? Ash is a tree name. Ash is a tree. <laughs> Be Ash. No, no, no. Professor Ash. That would be a surname. Mm. And then it's an allusion to Ash Ketchum. I don't know. <laughs> I'm getting such a cedar vibe from him. Cedar, cedar, senile. Maybe that's it. Native to the mountains of the Western Himalayas <laughs> and Mediterranean. He wants to return to his people. The cedars in the mountains. Let him climb the mountain. I'm going to climb the mountain. Grandfather, no. I'm returning to my people i'm returning to my elder cedars <laughs> okay professor cedar i'm here for it i'm here <laughs> Let's for do it that first professor cedar okay now we've got our professor in our first path alex i think it's time for you to lead us in who's that pokemon What's the plan, Alex? So something that we haven't done yet that we probably want to do fairly early on, because it's a Pokemon you'd probably encounter fairly early on, is the bird. The bird? The bird. What kind of bird? So every region has multiple birds, of but course, there is there always birds. a early game bird. The early bird, if you will. <laughs> you got your Pidgeys, you got your Pidup. Well, so here's the thing about that. Mm -hmm. Gen 9 really kind of shook things up a little bit. It did. Yeah, there's always a bird, and sometimes there are a couple of birds that kind of 
fit this. Spiro kind of fits this role. Yeah. Wingle is almost in that same vein. Mm -hmm. But Gen 9, what would you say is the early game bird in Gen 9? The quote-unquote Route 1 bird. I mean, you don't really find a bird on Route 1, do you? Well, there's no Route 1, for one thing. Well, yeah. There are birds in that first area, though, before you get to Mesagoza, for instance. For instance, you can find Flamingo at that point in the game. Right, Flamingo! Also Squawkabilly? Squawkabilly shows up in cutscenes, but I don't believe you can actually encounter it at that point. Okay. So it's around. But the fact that Flamingo doesn't evolve as a single-stage Pokemon well, doesn't feel like it fits that niche. It definitely doesn't, for a bunch of reasons. Also, it's just incredibly strong. It should not be available that early. It's weird. <laughs> the bird that I would suggest fits this niche is Wattrel. Wattrel and Killer Wattrel are the bird that best fit, but you don't find them early. The lowest level you can find them at is 14. Yeah. You don't find them until a little ways into the game. Yeah. It's odd. Also, other oddities here, though, they're both electric flying. There have been early game birds that gain other types before. The mm. first one being Talonflame and Fletchinder in yeah. Gen 6. Mm. And then the Rookie D line becomes Flying Steel, because they were also pure flying. But right. besides that, they've always been normal flying, at least to start. Mm. And these are both just electric flying, which is weird. Yeah. They're also a two-stage line, which has been seen before, but not since Taylor and Swellow in Generation 3. Interesting. Yeah, so they just shook things up a little bit. All that's telling us is, like with the few of our other ideas, we don't have to quite stick as closely to the mold as we might have otherwise thought. Yeah, it just gives us a little bit of freedom to just kind of do whatever. That said, we obviously want at least one Pokemon that is a pretty simply designed bird. And I have an idea. Awesome. Have you ever heard of a Hoopo? Yeah, I have. I love Hoopos. There's a magic card that's a Hoopo from Ananket, the Egypt set. <laughs> That's incredible. There are uh, species of hoopo that live in Africa. and Yeah, I thought they Egypt. were just in Africa. No, there is a Eurasian hoopo. Oh, okay. Which can be found in Italy, as well as a lot of Europe and Asia. I think they tend to live more in Africa and then migrate to the Eurasian area okay. for breeding purposes. Okay. And just, you know, general bird migration. But they are not uncommon to see yeah. in Italy, for example. Awesome. And they they look so cool. They're though. very distinct looking birds. Yeah. If you haven't seen a hoopo, let me describe this to you. They have black and white striped wings, very vibrant orange head. Yeah, like a really stark contrast there. With this huge crest of feathers on top that sometimes lays flat like a point and then sometimes comes straight up like this really spiky crown. Yeah, I imagine that's for both intimidation purposes and probably mating. Almost certainly, yeah. Yeah. Also a pretty long, thin beak that yeah. when the feathers are down, really adds to a curve to their head. It does, yeah. That's a fun shape we can play with. They almost have a woodpecker shape. Somewhat woodpecker-like, yeah. Um, I don't believe they're particularly closely related. So the idea that I have for this, so now that you've googled hoopo, <laughs> now google hoopo chick. I have a particular picture here that I'm looking at. It looks <laughs> a little bit younger chick. Yeah. Like it's maybe fairly fresh. Its feathers haven't fully developed yet. In this particular picture of a hoopo chick, it looks like it has porcupine quills. Yeah, I found a searching baby hoopo rather than Hoopo Chick, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> so what I'm thinking yeah. is this particular style, like small baby bird with spiky little feathers that stick out at all angles. Yeah, okay. We can make that distinctive, but still basic. Still still pretty yeah. basic baby bird, but with some distinct shapes. Probably make them a bit more traditional feathery. We want to probably make it a little bit more generic a bird yeah. to start. Yeah, yeah. And then accentuate those features later. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm thinking is like I want it to have feathers that stick out at all angles, look kind of fluffy, and then for the evolved style 
stage. I'm thinking this is only a two-stage line. Oh, okay. I'm thinking for the evolved stage, it looks more hoopoe. The feathers on the head still have that sticky uppy sort of look, mm. but the rest of the feathers have sort of calmed down. I could see there being a mid-stage where the feathers are rested on its head, and then you've got the long curved shape, mm. and then they stand up again on a third stage. That's my pitch. Yeah. <laughs> You know how we often struggle with names? Uh-huh. I've got some pictures for you already. Okay. Because Hoopo is fun. It's got good sounds and it very is, distinct. Yeah. Hoopa evolves into Hoopreme. <gasps> I like Hoopreme. Yeah, Hoopa is a little bit it's not quite as strong, but it's you know, drawing on super to Supreme is the intent. Yeah, of... I love Hoopreme, especially with the sort of like crown motif that it's got going on. Mm. Yes, this is the highest of the birds, the Supreme Hoopreme. Other words similar to Supreme. Superior. Superior. Supreme. See, but then that feels like a good three-stage line thing. It does, Hooper, yeah. Superior. Supreme. I'm not against a three-stage line. Because I feel like if you've got all three names as well, then Hooper works a bit more. It does. What else do we need to say right Types. now? Types. I was going to say more design stuff first. Like, I jumped the gun with the names. I don't know. I think the designs are pretty... In the middle stage. When it's got its head feathers down, I want the head and the beak to make a perfect curve, essentially. Mm. Like, exaggerate that shape, because it's yeah, yeah. not perfect perfect in the actual animal. Yeah. We still want the final stage to be somewhat large, probably larger than actual hoopers. Like, how big is a hoopa? They weigh like eight ounces. Wingspan of about a foot. That's small. They're small. In the same way the starly line takes a starling and then mm-hmm. grows into a bird of prey, a raptor, star mm-hmm. raptor, we definitely need this to become a bit bigger and more impressive as it yeah, evolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, the head crest, I think, will help play with that. Definitely. Like, yeah. So are you thinking for a middle stage, have that be more hoopo, and then the third stage yeah. be like... A, a, more, a more intimidating, yeah, like, like, larger bird. It can just be very much a hoopoe in overall shape and just a bit bigger with a couple of touches of bird of prey yeah, aspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. See, that, that does give me a reason to give it three stages. Okay, cool. Of course, fun fact about hoopoes as well, mm. they're named in the same fashion as Pokemon. They're named after the sound they, <laughs> they make. They are named after the sound <laughs> that they make. <laughs> right, so that's most of this thing settled. It's pretty simple overall, yeah. Aside from types. Typing. Typing, what do we want to do for types? So flying. Of course. Obviously. Yeah. And I'm thinking maybe fairy? We did do that last time. Did we? We did do that we last did time. did do You're that right. last time. You're right. And do we want it to be pure flying if we're starting out just flying? Or maybe there's a secondary type the whole way through? Mm. Does it? Or is it going to be an older school bird of normal flying? I could say normal flying. Is this bird normal? Is this a normal bird? I don't see why not. Because look at it. But also look at two cannon. Yeah. One thing that really helps with two cannon's case is it has a really cool distinct signature move mm. in beak blast. The other fun thing with two cannon is that it was so angry. It was very ooh, angry. Ooh, ooh, personality. I think it's very proud. Okay. The hoopo is a good example of how some birds can look less like a real animal and more like a piece of art. As a personality, they are adaptable extroverts and intuitive thinkers. So very smart. Hmm. Smug? Yeah. I think that's what I meant by proud. proud. Yeah, and yeah. it plays into that same space. They are the hoopreme bird. It's true, they are hoopreme. I think I like normal flying. Yeah. Yeah. Abilities? Let's give them some abilities and maybe a signature move. Oh. Okay. Should this be a big pex Pokemon? Yeah. Also known as Pigeon Breast. There's also, of course, Gale Wings as another popular ability. It increases the priority of flying type moves. So it's like it makes any flying type move act like quick attack. Nice. But now it only works if they have full HP because it was too strong. So I had a little look and Googled Hoopo behavior to see if that can give us any insights. Mm-hmm. Chases and fights between rival males and sometimes females are common and can be brutal. Oh, wow. Rivalry is a Pokemon ability. Nice. In which the Pokemon does more damage to Pokemon of the same sex. Perfect. Rivalry, big pecs, and Gale Wings. 
Wings. Yeah, Gale Wings being still the hidden ability because it's the strongest. Rivalry, Big Pecs, Gale Wings. And then for a normal bird, I think we want to give this a cool signature move in the same vein as Beak Blast was a cool, unique move for two cannon. Yeah. I also want to think about how we're flavoring this move because I think that could also help decide on what we're doing. Like the reason Beak Blast burns is because Toucan's beaks do actually get very hot. Do they? Yeah. Their beaks are like half their body size, right? Mm. My thought is we want a move that plays into this crest and crest can be a fun word to play into mm -hmm. the name of a move. Dazzling crest. So, okay. What does Intimidate do as an ability? Lowers the attack stat. So what if it's a move that does some damage and also intimidates? There's a lot of moves like that. So it's not particularly distinct. Oh, okay. Or maybe instead of Intimidate, it does some damage and then has a charm effect. Charm, as a Pokemon move, lowers the Pokemon's attack stat. That's the same thing. Two stages. Oh, what if it's that and does damage? We could do a move that does damage and has the chance to lower the attack stat by two stages. It wouldn't be particularly unique, but it would be strong. Probably making that a normal type move rather than a flying type move. I think so. And we flavor it around a crest. Yeah. Crest dance, crest display, dazzling crest. I like dazzling crest. Yeah. Dazzling crest, the signature move of Supreme. Yeah. Our early bird, which doesn't get the ability early bird. <laughs> So today we've begun planning out the history branch of the Pokemon Marble and Bronze story which involves taking on gyms to learn more about the history of battling in Rentia, including taking on challenge battles which are battles that will have a certain stipulation in order to win them besides just knocking out the opponent's Pokemon. In addition to that we have made the professor associated with that branch of the story, Professor Cedar, who will be giving you your first Pokemon and is a very sprightly old man. Gonna climb the mountain! <laughs> Watch me! <laughs> he will. He'll do it. Climb every mountain. Climb and ford every stream. Every mountain. And we also made a new Pokemon, our early game bird, which is Hoopa, which evolves into Hooperia and finally Hoopreme. Which is based on the Hoopo, a beautiful crested bird. Look it up. Who also have a signature move, Dazzling Crest. So thank you for listening to Pokemakers. And thank you to the Pocket Podcast Network for hosting us. You can find other cool shows on the network such as... The Tia and Rio Show. Them's the Facts. And Cult Classics. Our theme music is by Mike Freitag. You can find him on Twitter at Admiral Amara. You can also find us on Twitter at Pokemakers. And you can find us both individually. I'm at Codename JD. And I'm at Pichu. P-T-C-H-E-W. And don't forget to check us out on the Pocket Podcast Network community Discord. But until next time, gotta, gotta make them all. all. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket. Hi, I'm John. I'm Gabe. I'm Chris. We're three friends who went to college together. Hey, Gabe, did you know that Akira Kurosawa has a writing credit on Star Wars? I didn't know that. Good, because I made it up. I have one. The creator of the Frisbee made his ashes into a commemorative run of Frisbees. I don't believe you. That's 100% real, my dude. Them's the Facts, a show about fun facts and lying to your friends. Every other Wednesday. On the Pocket Podcast Network.